Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to be uh, talking about something kind of near and dear to my heart. And it's something that I've got to deal with for, I don't know, about six, seven, eight years or something now. And that is ownership of an airplane. Um, Airplane ownership can be amazing. Um, It can also be detrimental to your health at some points. Uh, So we're going to talk about kind of all sorts of things today relating to owning an airplane and what that kind of takes. And, uh, I'm really excited about this one because, like I said, I've been an airplane owner for several years now and a multiple airplane owner at some times. And the icon has been fun. And right now it's still in maintenance and it's kind of the bane of my existence at the moment. So <laughs> it makes me feel like I want to get rid of it. As much as I love my icon, that maintenance is killing me right now, especially because I can't get the parts for it. So we're going to talk about airplane ownership today. And, uh, and, as always, if you guys ever have questions, please feel free to shoot them over to us. Uh, a couple of these questions we're going to talk about today, we actually got from some listeners. Uh, so thank you for uh, for sending those over to us. So let's start on a positive note then. I uh, don't want Brandon being all sad and negative about how, uh, how much his plane's costing him. And I don't have an airplane yet. You know, like we talked about last time is I'm looking for a, a plane about the cost of a bike. And he did offer me a plane about that cost. But since I don't have it, I don't have to worry about maintenance costs. So on a happy note, what are the benefits of owning your own airplane? First off, freedom. That is a big benefit. I know my friend Anthony uh, Jirasi, he was, uh, he's the CEO of Stratus Financial. He was on the podcast uh, maybe a month or two ago. But he, he told the story. We were at a conference together the past week, and I think he told the story five times on what the major benefit of owning an airplane is, and it is freedom. It gives you the ultimate freedom. I think that everybody who goes and does their first flight, at least on their first solo, they realize that they are all by themselves in an environment that a human is not supposed to be in, in the air, in the sky. We're like a bird. For thousands of years, our ancestors tried to become birds and learn to fly. And it really wasn't until the last 100, 120 years until we could actually make that a reality. So it's pretty amazing. And the benefit of owning your own plane is you get that first benefit of just having freedom like you get by renting an airplane as well. But now you don't have to put it on a schedule. You don't have to airline somewhere in particular. You don't have to sit in traffic on the 405 freeway or the 15 freeway going to Las Vegas or uh, I was just in Miami last week or that traffic coming from Key Largo all the way up to Miami, uh, which took me two and a half hours at seven in the morning, uh, <laughs> you could uh, you could just fly uh, and go above all the traffic and get around those things. You can also take your friends and family places that they never thought they could. You can go get the $100 hamburger, so to speak, which nowadays is probably more like a $400 hamburger, but you can go do lots of things like that. You can just take a day trip that's somewhere a lot further away that you wouldn't really be able to drive to uh, for a day trip. I know that that I love just going out and going and having lunch. Camarillo Airport, Charlie Mike Alpha, uh, that airport has the best tri-tip sandwich you'll ever have in your life. Uh, And they only do it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I don't know if they do it on Sundays anymore. I think just Wednesday and Saturday. Carson's nodding his head like, yep, you're right. It's only Wednesday and Saturday. But if they ever have leftovers, they do a spicy version the day after, um, which is also really good. And then going out to, there's a place in uh, Southern California called Casa Manchados. uh, And that's at, uh, at MYF. Uh, Montgomery Field, that place is fantastic too. I'm telling you guys all my secret places. Now everybody's going to flock there. I'm a little scared now. Um, But those are some really cool places, Southern California, I like to go to. 
Catalina Island. I mean, that's a benefit. You can go there and go hiking for the day. Um, you can go get a Buffalo burger. You can do what I do and go to the Catalina wine mixer there and go for the weekend and just make it a, a fun little trip. So, I mean, I could literally talk about benefits to flying all day long. And plus, it's cool. Who doesn't like to say I'm a pilot? There's always a joke that you always hear. How do you know when a pilot walks into a bar? Because he'll tell you. <laughs> um, and it's true. And we're all proud to be pilots. And I don't think we're trying to brag or anything like that. I think that everyone talks about being a pilot because it's it's something that we have so much passion for and so much fun. And it's really enjoyable. I know I absolutely love being a pilot. It's one of my favorite things. It's the reason why, one of the reasons why we started this podcast, to kind of share my knowledge and, and Carson's fun knowledge that he's had over the years. And enjoy it uh, with people who are listening like yourselves. So um, those are all major benefits to owning your own airplane. And just, it all comes back to freedom. You know, that freedom is pretty much what got me into flight training in the first place. Um, when I would in high school, Matt and I were scraping together uh, pennies to pay for gas to just go and fly after school. Um, and then scraping together a couple more to go and get a hundred dollar hamburger. Uh, my spot was French Valley. So Foxtrot seven zero went to the cafe there and split the uh, little slider deal they had every time. That was the thing. I'm glad somebody likes that airport cafe because I'm not really a fan. <laughs> Every time I've gone there, I just the food has just not been fantastic. But uh, maybe I need to give it another shot. If you like it, I should probably give it another shot. I know that the airport cafe at Riverside is amazing, though. Le Mama, the owner there, she just kicks butt with uh, with her restaurant. So they even have a, a menu item named after me. So I'm not going to say it on here. You got to come here. You got to come and ask me and then I'll show you what the menu item is. It's pretty neat. Dude, I wasn't even a pilot yet. I couldn't tell Matt, hey, I want to go fly to Camarillo and go get some tri-tip or uh, <laughs> I wasn't even a pilot. I was like, okay, I'm happy with French Valley. This is what I got. I'm happy I'm getting here. <laughs> I guess that's really true. I mean, you should have had him take you to Big Bear. Big Bear's got a phenomenal restaurant there too. Yeah. And I don't even like breakfast. I know I'm weird. I don't like breakfast, but I actually like the breakfast to actually have a big bear. So we're giving everybody all the good spots. And uh, if you want to go pick up growlers of beer, uh, can't drink it there, obviously. Eight hours bottled throttle. We've talked about that before. Uh, but Hangar 24 at Redlands Airport's right across the way. So I've done like a, a run to go grab a growler of beer and bring it to a hangar party at Gino before. I mean, that is the type of stuff. That's why you own an airplane. You do it so you can go pick up growlers of beer or you you want to go pick up some sandwiches from somewhere else and bring it and feed your friends and family like those are the fun parts about being a pilot and owning your own airplane it gives you that freedom you can't necessarily go jump in an airplane and say hey i want to go rent this because i just want to go 10 minutes away and i'll be back in a half an hour you can't do that with a rental airplane that's more planned and it's more thought through with your own airplane you can literally just jump in it and go today carson asked me if i'm flying today and i was like no i don't think so but I need to go see uh, see my friend Suhail at Chino, and I was going to drive there. And I was I looked at my I thought to myself, and he's giving me a weird look, like why the heck would you drive there? Uh, so I decided that I'm probably just going to take my 120 there. I want to get some tailboat landings under my belt, some more of them. I don't have that many in my logbook, so might as well go practice with that and go have a good time. And plus, it doesn't burn much gas. Uh, but that's just something I'm just going to go outside and just say, hey, the weather's good enough. Let's go. And I'm just going to go take the airplane and go. I don't have to talk to anybody about it. I don't have to rent it. I don't have to do anything like that, which that's pretty phenomenal. And I think that there's a certain number you have to hit um, of hours that you fly where renting no longer makes sense and, and buying the plane does. I'm not sure about that number or the equation. Figure that one out. But I figure, you know, aside from, uh, from the monthly payments on the plane, uh, unless you just bought it outright, and then the fuel. It is cheaper at some point to just have your own plane uh, when you go and fly it all the time. And 
go and do all those cool things. But sounds like Brandon's uh, pretty passionate and he's feeling pretty good. So let's talk about bad things now. <laughs> what are the uh, the downsides of owning your own airplane? Well, uh, to answer that first part, the number varies on what type of airplane, how old it is, what you're currently renting, how much that costs. All those things are, are play a factor, what insurance cost is, et cetera. But typically, it's somewhere around 100 hours of you renting a comparable airplane per year uh, when it will start changing. The numbers will start making more sense for you to own an airplane. But it really depends. You, I've seen some as low as like 40 hours. I've seen some as 200 hours. So it really depends on you, depends on uh, reserves and different things that you like to keep. And everyone has a different way of doing it. But just break down the math, break down the numbers and see what it'll cost. Even some flight schools require you to have renter's insurance. Some don't. So you can get rid of that and just put it towards your regular plane insurance. There's a bunch of different factors. So it really changes. Uh, some downsides. First off, whenever you buy an airplane, I tell everybody, uh, whatever the purchase price is, if it's a $20,000 airplane, plan on an extra $2,000 immediately that you're going to have to probably put into it. If it's a $100,000 airplane, I say immediately $10,000 you're going to have to put into it. Whatever the purchase price is, plan on 10% of that cost. Actually, I sometimes will say 10 to 20, depending on the airplane, but at least 10% of the purchase cost you're going to have to put back into the airplane uh, within the first three to nine months, for sure within the next year. That doesn't include the annual or anything like that. That is just things that are going to break that haven't been used a lot. Most people sell airplanes because they're not using them, right? When things sit and don't work or don't are not used a lot, things are going to break. So if you have not used those gyroscopic instruments um, or they've only been used like five times in the past year, and now you're all, all of a sudden flying it a hundred times in the next year, guess what? Things are going to start breaking on it. So that might be considered a downside of, of owning an airplane. Things are going to break. And sometimes you can't really know when that's going to happen. You don't know when your radio is going to go out. Uh, you don't know. You don't even know when the engine's going to start making metal or you don't know when the engine's going to stop, stop running like it should. I mean, there are ways that you can tell and there's time before overhaul times, but I've seen engines fail at 200 hours and I've seen engines continue to 4,000 hours. I would actually prefer to be in the engine with 4,000 hours than I would to be in the with the engine with 150 hours because statistically more engines will fail at a lower time motor than at a higher time. And we could go way into TBO and kind of the uh, Mike Bush uh, philosophy on TBO, which I'm a supporter of. But the biggest thing are costs are unknown. You could rent an airplane and the costs are always fixed. Now, you own an airplane, costs can be cheaper, but the one time you get an annual that you thought was going to be $2,000 is now $10,000 because your last A&P missed things or the person you had to the pre-buy did a really poor one um, and it actually had a bunch of airworthy issues that really need to get fixed. Or another downside could be what happens when the airplane's down for maintenance and you can't find a part? I know I've ha I have a Duchess or I've had a Duchess and on the hydraulic power pack, which moves the gear up and down, there's a pressure switch on it. That pressure switch is near impossible to find. And the last time I looked it up, it was $7,000 for this little switch the size of my thumb, $7,000. And they were near impossible to find because they weren't made anymore. You literally had to find an existing one from somewhere else and just take that power pack and make sure that it, it worked. It was impossible to find. I don't remember how I found it. I might've taken it off another airplane or, or did something. I don't remember what I, how we figured it out, but somehow I got the part. And I definitely did not spend $7,000 on it. 
Uh, but it was near impossible to find. So the airplane was down for like five months because of that. So if your airplane's down for five, six, seven, heck, it being down for a year uh, if you can't find the right part. Uh, now, if you buy an airplane that a lot of people have, like a Cessna 172 or less moving parts to break, that's a less likelihood of it actually being down. But that's a big downside. If you were planning on taking your family somewhere, planning on taking your friends somewhere, and now all of a sudden you can't, that's a downside. I mean, the airplane's down for maintenance, costing you time, costing you money. It might be worth it to start renting again at that point uh, until your airplane's up. So the biggest downside is really money <laughs> because you get all the freedom, you get all the time, you get everything else. The fixed cost can be the insurance, which has actually been going up 20 to 30% every year for the past few years. So it's, it's not getting cheaper to insure an airplane. The fuel prices, that's also going up, but it's also going up for airplane rentals as well. So that doesn't really matter. Oil consumption, but the unknowns are really the maintenance. The maintenance can really kill it. So how do you predict those maintenance costs? Uh, I know it's completely variable and you don't know when things are going to break, but how do you see them coming in any sort of way? And how do you handle that maintenance cost? Like that, that's $7,000 for a switch out of nowhere, which I'll be, you didn't pay is, is quite a bit. Do you dump the plane when you can't handle it anymore? <laughs> what's the, what's the solution? Well, there's a lot of derelict airplanes at airports. You can go to any airport and you see airplanes that are just sitting and they've been sitting there for 20 years. I can't say on in every instance, this is the reason, but I'll say probably the majority of the the reasons why airplanes sit there is because people can't afford the maintenance on them and something's finally broke and they're not getting it fixed because either they don't have the money or they don't want to spend the money on something that's just a hobby or something like that. So you can predict some maintenance. Every engine has a TBO, a time before overhaul uh, time, and that is a manufacturer recommended overhaul time when that motor needs to be changed. So on most Cessna 172s, for example, the TBO is around 2,000 hours. That varies on certain models, obviously, but in general, somewhere around 2,000 hours. Um, you can bank on, you're probably going to need to replace that engine at 2,000 hours and probably get the replace, meaning overhaul the engine, which just, you make it like new again. And same thing with a propeller. You're probably going to do that on the propeller. Um, on a fixed blade prop, it's not as important. Um, it's getting dressed and cleaned every time you go get a manual or 100-hour inspection anyways. But they're really they're pretty cheap. It's 800 to to 1000 bucks to overhaul a fixed propeller now. So you bank on having to overhaul your prop. Um, you have to bank on overhauling your engine. And you have to bank on all the maintenance involved. So it's 40 to 60 hours to uh, remove and reinstall an engine and propeller on like a 172 typically could be a little less depending on the the maintenance shop and whatnot but then also you have to think about the overhaul cost and you used to be able to overhaul an engine on a, like a 172 uh, with an 0320 in it for somewhere around i don't know 18 to twenty two thousand dollars now i think that number is getting closer to thirty thousand and if you want a factory remanufactured or something like that you can add another 10 grand to it so you're talking about a significant dollar amount that you have to put into this airplane. Some some people finance the engines if they already have the airplane paid off. There's lots of things you can do, but that's probably the biggest factor. So if you've got an engine that has a TBO, 2,000, and you have 1,000 hours on it, just plan on replacing that engine in 1,000 hours. And now if you get more time out of it, fantastic. But there's also a chance you can get less time out of it. 
So just be prepared. You should start having a healthy reserve or savings if that's how you manage your dollars for your airplane. I come from a different perspective. I like to take my money and invest it in certain ways. So I have positive cash flow. And then if I need to, I can pull out that investment and use, utilize it to, to purchase that engine. Or I'll have positive cash flow asset that, that is paying me a higher interest than I would be paying on the, on the motor. And I could take a, a loan out against that motor and have still positive cash flow. There's different ways that people do it. I do it with cash flow. Some others will create a, a savings account where it creates a reserve. But I would say keep an engine reserve of some sort, however you want to do it, or just plan on it. Also, keep an avionics reserve. I would say probably 10% of your airplane cost because the avionics will go out. And when they go out, I bet you you're going to want to replace them with something newer, shinier. For you just to replace a radio, by the way, it's like 40 hours. To replace one radio, one comm nav hooked up to your audio panel, it's around 40 hours. It's a lot of labor, a lot of work. So sometimes when you do that, you might as well replace the whole stack because it's not too much longer to replace all of them rather than just place one radio. And then I also say, have another 10% saved of the airplane total cost for uh, for your annual. Now, granted, these are just kind of round numbers. There's other people that have broken it down and they know exact numbers they need to keep for an airplane. But if you're a first-time airplane owner, these are really round numbers that are easy to know and remember. That's what you should expect to have to put in the airplane. And the 10% per year is probably pretty accurate. If you have a $100,000 airplane, you're probably going to put, I don't know, five to 10 grand per year into a Cessna 172 or 182. It's just going to happen. Your annual is going to be 2,500 bucks. Your pedo static is going to be a few hundred dollars. And that's if no squawks and you don't want to replace anything or you don't want to upgrade any of the panel plastics or uh, none of the anything goes out. So there are possibilities to get things done cheaper. But just remember, you're playing with your life. And so don't, don't just get things done cheap. Get them done right. Cheaper is not the best way, uh, always. Sometimes you can find a deal, though. I always love a deal. Yeah, my philosophy is always uh, just buy the best that your money can buy you at the time. And that's going to treat you pretty well. If you can only afford to replace it with the same exact piece, then do it. But if you can afford to upgrade it, do it. But um, that, was a, that was a terrifying amount of money that we just talked about. So let's get back to the good stuff. <laughs> How does owning a plane impact your travel decisions? Uh, so this is a pretty good one that I think Brandon would love to answer, considering I can't remember the last time this guy has driven to Vegas. I think you've only ever flown to Vegas since you've got your pilot license, uh, except for maybe one or two exceptions. But I think pretty much every time you've uh, you've flown. So how does owning a plane impact where you're going to travel? Yeah, unfortunately, the last few times I've went to Vegas, I think two or three, the weather was just terrible and I had to, uh, and I had to drive, but owning a plane does impact your travel decisions. Like I, I like going to wine country. I like going to go find great places to eat. I just love going and visiting some of my friends. Um, I know last year I got to visit, uh, one of my friends and mentors who ended up passing away about a month later, Joe Connolly. Um, I ended up going to go visit him and it, the fact that I owned an airplane and I can just get up and go uh, to Deer Valley Air Airport in uh, Phoenix area and just go visit him. I literally just said the night before I said, I'm going to leave tomorrow and I'm just going to go. Uh, I jumped in the airplane. I left. I went there. I was able to get a crew car for an hour and a half for free. People at the FBO are always fantastic over there at Cutter Aviation. Got in that crew car, went and visited Joe for about an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it was. Hopped back in the car, went back and I flew back home. And that was something kind of impactful. I mean, that did impact my travel decisions because either I was going to do that, I was going to drive six to eight hours each way with or without traffic, or I was going to hop in and in, uh, in Southwest or something and 
go jump on a big airplane and go into Phoenix. I have to go through TSA and all that other stuff. Regardless, it was going to take me a heck of a lot longer than it would if I just jumped on my own airplane. So owning your own airplane can affect your travel decisions quite a bit. I mean, that's, that's a big one right there, just alone. And then flying to Vegas, it only takes an hour and a half in a 172, maybe up to two hours, depends how the winds are. But, but I've flown uh, an Aerostar to Vegas and it took me like 50 minutes. So you can fly to Vegas really quick. 50 minutes to Vegas from Southern California is actually quicker than taking an airline if you're flying VFR because you can just fly direct. There's some restricted airspace that you have to kind of skirt through the middle of in between restricted and restricted and, and some MOAs and stuff. But you can go straight there compared to like a big airline. Well, they're flying a route, an IFR route, no matter what, VFR or IFR. So those are some ways that it can really impact your travel decisions. And then also if it's icing out or something like that, where a big plane would have been able to get you there, you might not be able to go because of that. And you just need to be ready to drive or cancel your trip. So, but that's being a pilot in general, you have to know your limitations if you'll be able to fly or not fly. But And that's really the same thing as being an airplane owner, except for you have more flexibility and you don't have cancellation fees from the flight schools. That's for sure. And if we're talking about cheap, owning your own airplane is probably not the way to go. But how do you figure out at what point you're going to drive or at what point you're going to fly yourself or fly commercially? Um, You know, flying to Utah is about a four hour flight in 172. So how do you determine if you're going to do that flight or if you're just going to hop on a on an airline and, and fly there? Uh, it depends on what airplane's available to me, to be honest. If it's a really fast airplane, I'd fly to Utah in a, in a fast airplane like uh, my, my friend's Aerostar, I'd fly that. If it was a 172, I'd probably take a commercial airplane. Um, if it's the Icon, uh, depends. If I'm going to go, see, go to Lake Mead, uh, then I would take that or go to Lake Havasu, I'd take that. If I'm going to Orlando or Miami or somewhere in Florida, like I've been, which is all the way across the United States for me, like seven times in the past three months, uh, then I would definitely pick an airline. So it's really kind of a time equation, right? Time versus convenience or both really. So I always pick what's both time cost effective and convenient. The the cost effective kind of goes out of the way for the freedom perspective of it because it costs a lot more money to go fly your own airplane to Vegas than it would take a $120 Southwest flight, right? But the convenience, the lack of having to go through TSA and and getting a free crew car and all those different things factor, obviously. So that's kind of how it impacts my travel decisions and and where I want to go. You know, I don't think that any of us became pilots because it's cheap. Uh, we became pilots because it's fun, because it gave us that freedom. And it's uh, it's an amazing thing that we get to do. And owning your own airplane just kind of gives you that access to go and do those amazing things and have even more freedom. You don't have to ask someone for permission, uh, aside from ATC, to, to go anywhere. You can just go and do it. Um, so owning an airplane, it's absolutely in my future. It's in Brandon's past, present, and future. So he enjoys his own airplanes quite a bit. And I uh, really appreciate everyone listening today. Hope that you have some incentive to uh, to go and own your own airplane now. 100%. Don't let the negative things affect your positive decisions on that. Unless you really just don't have the funds to uh, to handle that unexpected maintenance event. I think that's probably the only downside that would really affect my decision on purchasing an airplane because I've owned several over the years and I absolutely love pur- or owning my own airplane. I, I don't think I could ever go back. Um, it's something that I have to I have to have now. It's just one of those things. But as always, thank you guys for listening so much. If you'd like to reach out to uh, either one of us, you can reach us at Twitter or Instagram at Mr. Martini Guy for me or at Carson underscore AV17. You can also reach us on our emails, Brandon at AviationMentors.com or Carson at AviationMentors.com. And thanks for submitting these questions too. Um, keep them coming. We love answering them. 
And as always, as we wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.